Welcome to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, alternative medicine practitioner, retired chiropractor, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, welcome back to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, and today I am joined by Dr. Renee Wellenstein, who is a double board certified doctor who has been working with women for over 20 years. And due to her own personal health challenges, she stepped outside the box of conventional medicine to take a radically different approach to heal herself from the deep depths of burnout. About a decade ago, Dr. Renee was living what she thought was her dream life. She was an extremely busy OBGYN, married to a doctor with toddler twins, and moved to a quaint, quiet town in the country. And then in 2012, Dr. Renee fell off her horse during a riding lesson and broke her back. She not only struggled with severe back pain, but with fatigue and the inability to focus. Her doctor diagnosed her with depression, but her symptoms did not improve after trying two different antidepressants. And while going through all of this, she finally stumbled into the world of functional medicine, which has brought her here today, where we're going to dive into kind of her own journey and a lot of stuff related to libido, which I'm really excited about. So Dr. Renee, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So I guess um, you shared a little bit of your story with me kind of before we started recording, but I find it interesting enough that (laughs) if you want to share it with our listeners too, I like to hear kind of what brought my guests to where they are and the work that they do now. Yeah. Well, it was quite the the journey and it's really not how I expected it to end, but, you know, I moved to the country from a suburb of New York city and back in 08, my twins were one and I was living what I thought was the dream life. You know, I had dream. I moved to, to the country, got another dream job in OBGYN, um, you know, married my Prince charming. And, and of course, what do I do when I moved to the country is I get the horse that I had wanted since the age of seven. I grew up on a dairy farm. My dad was a dairy farmer and he was not fond of horses, but I wanted a horse. And he said, no, at the age of seven. And I said, you wait, I'll have that horse. Well, at 39, I got that horse and fell off that horse. And I always say that's where my story begins because really so many changes have occurred since then. And my life has completely changed, you know, 180 degrees. So from that fall, I broke my back. Um, and as I told you, I was Humpty Dumpty that fell off the wall that could not be put back together. And and back then, you know, I'd always said I'd never wanted back surgery. Like I, I took care of so many women with back issues. I'm like, oh gosh, you know, botched. I don't want to say botched back surgeries, but they just never got better. And here I was laying on a gurney in the ER with a broken back. Um, and I think the best words were when the orthopedic surgeon said, we can't do surgery. It's inoperable. They essentially are going to have to heal on their own. I was like, oh, thank goodness. But then six weeks later, <laughs> I was like, just put them back together again so I can get back to work. Because as the doctor, you know, we're like, work, 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 work. And if we're not, and we're sitting still, it's just, we're shamed. We're, you know, we, we just don't feel like we're being productive. So interestingly enough, you know, over the course of the next couple of years, you know, my scope of practice from OBGYN actually was significantly limited because of my, my injury. I could no longer operate or deliver. So I was pretty much stuck in the clinic doing pap smears all day, which is not why I went into OBGYN. Yeah. I went in there, you know, I just, 
I just didn't feel like I was making the the life changes that I had made prior. I wasn't changing lives. I wasn't bringing babies into the world anymore. And so I, uh, I, many nights I'd come home to my husband and say, gosh, you know, I just don't feel fulfilled. Like I'm just, this is not why I went into medicine and gave up half my life training for OBGYN. And then, you know, interestingly enough, I started noticing a lot more of these symptoms because I wasn't running as fast as I had been in the past. You know, I was a little slower physically, mentally, on so many levels. And there was a huge mindset shift for me to start healing my body as well, you know, dealing with chronic pain. And I don't know if any of your listeners deal with this, but it's a huge, um, you know, you go through this grieving process when you have an injury like that, that's completely life-changing. And I went through all of the phases of grieving, you know, the anger and the resentment, why me? And I was sort of stuck in that mode for a couple of years. And on top of all that, I started having these other symptoms of, I can't get out of bed in the morning. I have no energy all day. I was gaining weight. You know, I was aside from work. I really didn't feel like doing anything. I was making really poor food choices, And of course I I got to a point where I just couldn't take it anymore. I went to my doctor and she was like, well, you know, it sounds like depression. And it was interesting because even at the first mention of that, I said, well, I thought about that because I know all the diagnoses, but I'm like, it just doesn't feel like what depression should feel like, but you know what? I want to feel better. So just give me that pill and shove me in that box and give me that pill, which she did. And over the course of the next three months, I did not feel any better. And I actually had all the side effects of the, of the medication. So of course, what happens is when you fail one medication, it's not that you had the wrong diagnosis, you have the wrong medication. So I tried a second and it was when that second one was failing that I told my husband, you know, I remember laying in bed at night going, I just can't, I can't go on living like this. This is just not life. And it was really scary for me to have thoughts of no longer living because that never crossed my mind. But when you're so, I felt so hopeless and helpless. And here I was in the medical community and still felt that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like how do other people feel and and do this? And I don't know, you know, it was for another reason I got put in touch with a functional medicine doc and she was called an anti-aging doctor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I was at that point selling anti-aging skincare for something fun to do in my life because I felt so bored professionally and, you know, it's just so low energy. I'm like, I'm just grasping for the next thing to make me feel better. And so I got on the phone with her one evening and she's like, oh, I don't, I have my own skincare. You can, you know, I don't need the skincare, but let's talk about your health. And interestingly enough, in that one conversation, she's like, yeah, I think you have adrenal issues. I think you have some sort of adrenal fatigue, which is what we used to call it. And, you know, you don't need medication. You need this, 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 but come to the office. We'll confirm it. And her office was three and a half hours from where I live, but I'm willing to make the trip. Right. No one else was helping me. And as we're talking, I'm sitting in bed and it was right before bed. I'm Googling adrenal just, you know, fatigue. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. Then I started Googling functional medicine because right after that, she said, you know what? You want to join me in practice. You know, you want to start, I want to open a satellite office closer to you. And it's much needed in the state of New York. And uh, would you like to work for me? And I was like, oh my gosh, she just offered me a job. So I'm fervently, you know, Googling functional medicine. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is how I'm going to get back to changing lives. And so in one full swoop, I got my diagnosis. I kind of got a little treatment plan started and I had a career change. Mm -hmm. And I always say my husband went in to take a shower at the beginning of that call. And when he came out, I told him, I said, well, I have adrenal fatigue. I'm starting this, this, and this. And by the way, I'm leaving the hospital and I'm starting a fellowship in functional medicine. (laughs) He goes, how long was I in that shower for? <laughs> and, you know, interestingly enough, that was the beginning of my, also my, my intuition, like listening to my gut, which had been suppressed for so many years. I just, as a doc, you know, you're very black and white, very concrete. And this is really where I let my 
my body like tell me like, yes, no, this is what you have to do. This is your next right step. And, you know, in one phone call, I just, in, in, I just had hope again and I didn't feel so helpless. And I think that was what sealed the deal for me is that I could be that beam of light for other women that have been to every other doctor or isn't getting the answers. is not feeling any better that there are other ways of getting healthy and it's not necessarily getting shoved into that box of a diagnosis and a pill. So that was, that's my big story of how I got into functional medicine. And that was seven years ago. And I've not regretted it one day because I absolutely love, love, love um, this alternative medicine that we practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone on the show has heard, heard my story, but similar, I'm actually still in a wrist brace because I, and I shared with you, I'm a chiropractor, but I tore my wrist up and retore it after surgery. And so I'm, I'm finally done, but you know, this world, there's so much that's fulfilling about it. And I think it's inspiring to hear stories because a lot of the women I work with are either going through, you know, slumps in their career or like realizing they haven't been working in their true passion or, you know, and so it's inspiring for me and for them, I think to hear, you know, the stories of us who have found another way to fulfill, like what we think we were here for when life has happened to kind of take. Yeah. You know, I was grasping at straws for those couple of years because I, I knew I wasn't fulfilled. And as a doc, you're trained to do one thing and that's, you know, work for a hospital or an, a practice and see patients. And, you know, honestly, what's out there in the world of conventional medicine is like you either do that or you work for an insurance company or a pharmaceutical company or a device company. I'm like, whoa, no, that's not lighting me up. And versus just switching into the alternative medicine world and like still doing what we were doing, Mm -hmm. um, but just approaching health. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're all in it for the same reason to get people healthy, whatever way either they want to, or collaboratively with their regular doctor. Yeah. I think the other thing is, you know, the next big jump was from the brick and mortar space to virtual online, you know, and I did that um, before the pandemic, a year prior to the pandemic, but it, you know, it's another one of those for your audience. Like it's scary, no doubt about it, but you, you know, you really, for me, I lost my brick and mortar job three years ago and it was kind of like, okay, crap, what do I do now? You know, like, Again, in that doctor sense, okay, I'm still in the office setting. Now right. what do I do? Like, can you do this doctor thing online? Like, you know, and I almost left medicine, but I just have way too much of a passion for it that yeah, I just had to figure another way out. And at the age of, you know, now I'm, I'm now 48, so I was 45. I was tired of starting over again, you know, like over and over. I'm like, okay, we're just going to start over doing things right the first time and doing it for myself yeah. and designing my life that I want for the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. I just told my daughter, I said, I I can never picture retiring. I love what I do too much. And as long as I continue to design my life, um, and still have purpose, of course, but still design it to the point where I'm not getting burned out. Like I had several times in 2012, um, I can keep going and, and, and doing what I love. So yeah. And that's so key. And I know you talk a lot about burnout too, um, in your world. And that's obviously something I focus on, but, um, before, and I, I want to talk about libido too, cause I know you're, you've kind of put a niche in that space, but, um, let's talk about burnout and really designing, you know, being able to design your life in a way where you aren't heading towards that. Cause even for myself, like I've, I've been on this journey 
as well. And I won't share exactly how old I am, but I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you, but <laughs> I can still sense like, you know, with starting my new business, cause I, I retired from the chiropractic world and, you know, took on this more virtual space too, but I'm like, I, I can see myself doing the same patterning. And so it's like, I've really been focused this summer on like, I only work two days a week and I have so much free time and I'm just like, and that is okay. Like, it's okay. We don't have to fill every minute of every day. So what, what thoughts do you have around, you know, that you can share with listeners around burnout? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, I've just started studying human design as well. And I do think there are, cause it, it, everything I do in life, I sort of pull back and say, why, why are so, some women more prone to burnout than others? Right. Like you can take two women doing the same exact thing and one will have burnout prior to the other. And it comes down to genetics as well, but in lifestyle and all of that, but you know, it's just our, like our design or like what makes us tick. And I do think, you know, there's certain personality types, like probably both of us that really we thrive on that go, go, go and do, do, do. And, um, and, you know, I'm what they call a generator. So like, I, I enjoy helping people and like putting my energy out there and, and energizing people. And so, and that's not at a detriment, detriment to myself, but the problem is like, I can ride that high for so long. <laughs> Right. To the point where I'm like the same as you all of a sudden on day I crash and like, whoop, you know, yeah. and I think it's just getting comfortable and, and, and not always doing and, you know, and setting those boundaries and saying no and asking others, because again, I also come from that high performance world, myself included. And I, again, take care of women that are like myself and you yeah. um, that want to just, they don't want, they don't have time for burnout, right? Like we don't have time for that. But I think the biggest part of number one, you got to heal from the burnout, but number two, recognizing when you start going down and implementing certain things in your life, like you have Mm -hmm. of like taking those down days just to refill your own cup, you know, and and delegating, like, what don't you have to do? What do you have to do? What do you have to do today? What can you put off as my, I always say my three D's and there's like a fourth D and they're like, what do I have to do? What can I delegate? What can I completely delete off my list? What doesn't have to be done and, or delay, which can kind of go into that. Yeah. Like, you know, um, do delay, you know, you'll do it, but down the road. Right. Because I think we, as women, you know, we wake up with all these high expectations of what we're going to get done in the day. And at the end of the day, when you only get three of those 10 things done, it's like, whoa, we feel like a failure. And those negative thoughts over and over of like, oh, I didn't get it done again. Like what is wrong with me? Whoa, that's a huge trigger for burnout, right? Like if you have all of the physical things going on and just that mental, like, I don't know the statistic, like 80% of our thoughts in a day are negative towards ourselves. It's like, whoa, like huge wake up call ladies that, you know, know, just be more loving. Cause if you don't say it to your friend, your best friend, or, you know, anyone else for that matter, why, why are we talking to ourselves that way? And I'm right there with you. Like I've done, I think the biggest part of my journey that I continue on every single day is that mindset component of saying, it's okay. Before we hit record, you know, I said my day didn't go as planned. What does that mean? I didn't get as much done as I had wanted. Mm-hmm. And typically at this hour, I'd be like, oh gosh, like, geez, Louise, like I should have been, don't should yourself, right? <laughs> I stopped shooting myself a long that. time ago. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes you, I catch myself saying should, I'm like, oh, you know, our bodies hear oh. what we're saying. Like I, you know, I chose not to today yeah. and yeah. it's okay. And it's okay. that other things came up. And so I feel like, you know, having grace on yourself, like you have had, Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of riding that waves of energy of when you have it, ride it and get stuff done. And I'm not for saying like, oh, you just pull back and do nothing because that's where you get to when you get completely burned out, right? Like right. you just physically can't do that. And when we're working with women, it's like, okay, how do we keep you going? And when you and tweak it a little bit, and there's a lot about self-care, like, you know, 
I don't know about you, but a lot of women that I've seen over the past year have really lost themselves. Like they don't even know what makes them happy anymore. Oh yeah. Right. And like, we thought that, you know, it was slowing down. And I mean, me personally, I used to go to the grocery store like three times a day. Cause I oh, forgot that, forgot that to going like total of like twice a week, you know, at yeah. maximum, it was huge. And, and so I think we all came into this global pandemic thinking, gosh, much more time with the family and not, you know, wasting time doing things that we don't have to do, but we filled it in with never leaving our kids because <laughs> we're virtually schooling <laughs> them and never getting date night with our hubbies and never getting connection time with our girlfriends. And, you know, and, and because of that, we filled it in with a lot of the other te- in, in work. I don't know about you, but when I don't leave my house to go physically away on vacation, I, I love what I do. So I keep working. Yeah, but not necessarily the healthiest thing to do, you know? So I do think, you know, just building again, as we kind of get back to normal life as best we can, you know, self-care and that again, does not nowadays look again, like facials or manicures necessarily. It looks, it used to be, but now it's, you know, taking a walk in nature, reading a book, exercising, if you like that, you know, um, taking a nap like whatever that is. I mean, I like to take a nap plus do something else while you're awake mm-hmm. to sort of, so you feel like you're filling your cup, but you know, and, and feeling worthy of doing that. You know, so many women just don't feel, they feel like guilty for taking time for themselves. I'm like, Whoa, you know, how do we, how do we continue to go and give to others if we're not giving to ourselves? Absolutely. I love all, all that advice and especially the shitting let's stop shitting ourselves <laughs> yeah, stop shitting yourself that you have to do you get to do something if you have to do it maybe reconsider not doing it you know you, you get to you know, yeah and, and um yeah the shoulds got they have to go so and i find you know in regards to libido of of all of my clients and you know and my former patients in my brick and mortar 100 percent of my clients online all the underlying factor is stress and in a, in a degree of burnout to some, to some aspect. And, and so that's why I talk so much about burnout as the libidoologist, because it's like, if we don't, of course, if you're exhausted and haven't done anything for yourself, yeah. are you really going to feel like being intimate? No, you know, you're just like, I'm tired and, and you just fall into bed at night. And yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like we have to definitely work on, on that. And, and all of the things we just talked about with self-care and boundaries and communication, um, in order for us to regain our lost libido. Yeah. And so let's, let's dive into that. Cause I know this is, and you said something before we hit record that is so true. Like we have normalized having low libido as women, especially at certain stages of life or, you know, whatever it is, we, we think it's just, normal. And there's so, there's so many things related to hormones and all this stuff that I feel like it's just been normalized by society. That's not normal. So, um, so let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, the normalization is that a few, three big ones that I heard over and over again. And, you know, again, this is, this is birthed from 15 years as an OB, another four years in a functional medicine office, and then an additional what three, four years, three years online. It's mm-hmm. over and over. I have seen across the board number one, women aren't talking about it. And I found this like commonly also with women in OB that had miscarriage and infertility. Like they just didn't talk about it because they thought they were abnormal and they looked to their left and looked to the right. And because the other women aren't talking about it, it must be me and it must be only me. So I'm not talking about it. So, you know, if we bring up the conversation and start talking about it, what you're going to find is women come out of the woodwork, like, 
the Me Too movement. Like, oh my gosh, Me Too. Like, I, I feel the same way. And really my biggest message was that just because um, you have kids doesn't, ha- you know, is not, does not mean that you have to lose your libido. Just because you're getting older, you know, maybe perimenopausal doesn't mean you have to have a low libido. Definitely when you go into menopause doesn't mean, I think, you know, each, because we spend so much time in the perimenopausal menopausal years of our life. Gosh, that's, you know, then to throw out our libido or the fact that, you know, oh, I'm done having kids. I don't need that anymore. No, no. There's so many benefits to intimacy and, and, and sex that, you know, no, it's, there has another function aside from procreating. But, um, I do think I really wanted to just start the conversation, start talking about it and start dissolving that myth that it's normal. And, you know, so, and then a lot of women ask me like, well, what's low. And I think the best definition for any woman out there and libido being your sexual desire is if it's not where you want it to be, it's low for you. There's no degree of the frequency or what your definition of intimacy could just be cuddling and snuggling. You know, maybe it doesn't have to go as far as, you know, having sex, but like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's your level of comfort with where you're at. And if it wasn't like it was, is it, is it now like it was, and you want it back that way, there's no reason you can't have it back. Which is awesome. Yeah. We're just going to dramatic pause right there. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and if you, you know, like in the, you know, another thing that a lot of people don't think about, cause I'm a doc and you don't, we don't talk about these things. We talk about all like medical and hormones. No, but communication with your, you know, how's your relationship? Because I think the biggest thing that I found also since I've transitioned into the world of exclusively, I mean, libido, but let's be real, like burnout, libido, low libido. It's another symptom that there's something else going on Yeah, that we have to address. And for women, it's usually complex. There's usually more than one thing, but, you know, communication and with your significant other, I've had, I just recently did another podcast where she's like, yeah, I got a divorce. I was so resentful. I see that it's a huge thing across the board. Women are resentful because of the past year, they've been stuck at home with the kids and working their business and doing the grocery shopping and cooking the meals. And what it comes down to is, you know, hubby comes through the door and says, Hey, she's superwoman. She's got it all in control. I'm not going to say anything. Right. Right. And she's sitting there going, damn it, help me. You know, like you walk through the door, you plop on the couch and get on your phone. Meanwhile, you look like you have it all under control. And it's just a matter of communicating, say, Hey, honey, can you help the kids with homework? Or can you finish this, you know, making dinner so I can go do whatever else I have to do? Or can you help, you know, or give Johnny a bath while I finish up dinner versus you doing that everything. And I think it's that, that communication, they're not mind readers. They can't tell you what you need, especially when you look like you have it all under control. Um, or, or not, maybe you look like you're angry and you're throwing things. Well, he definitely won't want to ask you. <laughs> yeah. So is that to take it off? And I get this because I've been there, you know, and I, I really come to a point where I think my husband gets so tired of me telling him what I need. I'm like, no, I need you to go to the grocery store for this, you know, and I need you to make dinner because I want to do this. And it just makes it so much easier when he just knows the expectations coming into the day, into the week. Um, so communication is key. And again, as a doc, and a lot of people don't think I talk about, you know, I, sh- I talk about everything else. Well, foundational things like I can't, I can fix your hormones and I can fix your gut and I can fix your stress or I help fix your stress. But if it's a relationship issue, like that's something that we just have to bring to the forefront and talk about yeah. how 
not a therapist, but there's a lot of things that are easy. I don't want to say easy fixes, but like put on your radar, like, oh yeah, I'm not saying what I need in the bedroom and out of the bedroom, you know? So that's huge. That is huge. And I don't know if you found this, but I find a lot of women, like we're so, there's so much on our plates and there's just so much going on. We're completely disconnected from what we need. And so a lot of times they're like, why I don't like, how do I say what I need if I don't know what I need? And so like, just start somewhere. I mean, in the moment you recognize like, Hey, I really need help with this thing. And yeah, cut, cut the onion for dinner. Like that's yeah. as, as simple as it can start. Like you don't have to say the grand scheme, like you said, like, oh my gosh, what do I need next tomorrow? Like I can't even think by this moment of making dinner, but just cut the onion so I can cook the beef or something like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a start. And I think even the expectations of just telling your significant other, like, hey, listen, I've got a lot on my plate. I would love when, you know, if we can kind of talk about how you can help out. And you know, most partners, spouses, they're they want to help, you know, they're not, they're not sitting there wanting this, maybe, maybe some want to sit on their phone, but majority, if it's going to make you happy at the end of the day, they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to help out and they just need to know what to do. You know, men are fixes. Yes. They just want to fix it, but they don't, unless they know something's wrong, they don't, and you can help them fix it by telling them exactly. <laughs> Again, and if you have to start with in the moment of what you need now, great start. Because at the, again, hormonally, you know, cortisol and oxytocin are on this little teeter-totter. And if we're super stressed, our cuddle hormone, our love hormone, our wanting to get lovey-lovey with our partner is low because we're super stressed versus him, you know, all of a sudden he's cutting the onion. Oh my gosh, he heard me. You know, he heard what I had to say. He's helping. He cares. Ah, Oxytocin level might go up a little bit. Like you're seeing hearts in your eyes, not like axes, you know? <laughs> so, you know, and I, I, I'm not making light of the situation and probably it might take more than that. But my point is the more that you communicate and he does help, the more that your stress level is going to start coming down. That cortisol is going to start hopefully coming down, at least taking one thing off your plate. And again, having that little cuddle hormone go up a little bit because he does care and he doesn't want to help. And you are appreciated, even though they may not say it, 24 seven and, uh, you know, one step closer to getting that urge back. Good. So that's a really good starting point. Is there like any advice you have for women that have maybe identified, you know, maybe they've, I, I see this a lot with, you know, my women who are going through menopause. Um, and oddly, even though I'm in my thirties, I tend to work with a lot of women who are at more of that stage of life, which is just the way, way it works. But, you know, I think we've also normalized loss of libido, especially in that time period. And I found like, it's not normal at all. And most of the symptoms that go along with that time period are not normal at all. So um, what input, I guess, can you share around that or just bringing that conversation to light? Yeah. I mean, we have to think of when we hit those years, there's a lot of things that have built up that can affect um, us hormonally, you know, like toxins. I talk about toxins a lot because hormonally they can cause disrupt our our hormones. A lot of the, you know, plastics and pesticides and foods and fragrances and such. Um, And, you know, you've been in a relationship probably longer, right? Maybe you're a little comfortable, maybe you're not communicating. So, and then the hormonal shift occurs where we're going from potentially an estrogen dominant state in the perimenopause, like, you know, right. ah, you know, we're irritable, we're angry, we're bleeding all the time, we're gaining weight. 
And then the abrupt boom done. And I, in a couple of shifts happened. Number one, I think this again, mentality that, Oh, it's all over. When you hit menopause, you dry up, you shrivel up, you're gone. Yeah. You can't have sex anymore. And I think that's part of it's a mindset with like, Oh, my, my days are over where I have found personally in practice that it is a time that women feel so liberated. Like I don't have to worry about getting pregnant anymore. Like I, and they like really reclaim something happens. And I'm experiencing this in my forties with women, as we get older, we really become more empowered. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it in younger women more now than I did when I was that age, but like much more empowered and knowing what we want in life and in a relationship and with intimacy and just not being afraid to say what we want. And I really feel like we need to shift that oh, it's down the, the drain from menopause on. Like, I just think that's a whole new cool transition in life that we really need to embrace. And the, and I don't want to belittle the little, like little things like vaginal dryness, but there's things that we can do to help that. And that doesn't have to be the reason why your sex life goes down the drain. You know, like there, so I think it's starting with the mindset, like I am just beginning. This is a new me. I see a lot of women going into their fifties, like, oh, I'm ready for this. You know, I'm really excited as opposed to, oh, really? Like, menopause. And so I do think that, like I said, the little things with the vaginal dryness, again, not so not, not big, if you kind of get on it early on Mm -hmm. and keep using it if you can. (laughs) And even if that means, you know, self-pleasure and, um, and just knowing that again, I've had the, so many women, this is when I started asking questions about it being hormonal. I've had so many women in their seventies and sixties with the best libidos, like through the roof. They're like, Oh my gosh, it's just beginning. And I've had the 20 year olds were saying like, mine's in the toilet for like 10 years. Like since I've been, whatever, you know, my <laughs> late teens, I'm like, there's something different here going on because yeah. it can't be hormonal. If I have my, my girls in their prime hormonally and my other end of the spectrum who's they're done making their hormones from their ovaries, at least. Right. Like what is going on here? It's got to be more than that. And so, which is why I've come up with my entire roadmap of all the things we look at, but I definitely think for women going into menopause, this is just the beginning of a whole new, great transition into, you know, a different part of your life that really um, can be magnificent, including with your libido. Yeah. I know I've had a couple other guests on the show that we've had the menopause conversation and like both of them have been like, I'm like, I'm excited for menopause. I mean, I've got years still, but like it's, it's an exciting time of life. So I think shifting that mindset and I, th- I just think it's been so like, um, demonized with like hot flashes and night sweats. And, you know, that's because that's all we hear. We don't hear about the women that gradually, you know, sometimes they just woke, they just woke up one day, never got a period again, never had a hot flash. I do think a lot of that does come down to lifestyle. I mm-hmm. think, you know, the, okay. the better, you know, we treat our bodies in that transition, the kinder our body's going to be to us when we make that full transition. And that, that looks like sleep, hydration, nutrition, all of the basics that yeah. I always say it's easy. It's, it's simple, but not always easy. Like I make it look simple, like get your sleep, hydrate, eat whole foods. Right. But for that burned out, busy woman that we often talk to, it's hard because she's tired and she's like, she's just, it's really hard for her to put one foot in front of the other and be productive at work and a high performer. And then think about eating, you know, cooking real food at home. Come on now, <laughs> be realistic. So this, the steps are simple, but it does, it's a process. Definitely. It is. Yeah. And it's about, you know, those little shifts and, and changes that ultimately get you back yeah. in track. But 
definitely. We program ourselves. Yeah. And you know, the women we work with, they're already overwhelmed. So I always, it's always key to just to take these, these baby steps, like you said, like little steps, otherwise you're going to just throw the towel in and and just go back to your way of living. So just one little change every day, build on those healthy habits. And before you know it, after a year, your life looks completely different. Absolutely. And you and I can both attest to that in big ways. So what would you say, like for those listening that, you know, there are libidos in the toilet, whether it's menopause related or something else, like what is one simple thing they can start doing today that can help communication? We'd already talked about, but is there, is there anything else? Um, well, the other third big one that runs through is the mindset part. Like how, how, how do you feel about yourself and love the stage that you're in, even though if you want, and again, I say this cause I work with a lot of women also that want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I don't, it's not just necessarily pandemic related. It's just, right. you know, again, burnout, all the things, you know, and if they don't feel comfortable in their body and they don't feel sexy, they're not going to get naked. They're not going to, they're wearing the baggy clothes, you know, and men are right. very visual. And so I think the simplest thing is just start looking at how you're talking to yourself, how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. I know, and again, this is not an overnight mind shift switch. Like it's really right. work because what I say, 80% of our, our thoughts are negative. Like it's going to take some time to switch those, but that is probably one of the easiest things that you can start doing today. You don't have to change your nutrition. You don't have to do anything else, just how you feel about yourself, how you talk to yourself, trying to embrace the body that you're in now and not thinking, gosh, when I'm 50 pounds heavier, I'll be happier or, you know, heavier, I say lighter, you know, lose 50 pounds, I'll be happier or, you know, whatever, when I have, I don't know, Botox, I'll be happier. Like, no, no, just embrace your body as is be comfortable in it. And you can work towards that next step, but you know, it all starts with today and how you feel now and uh, those thoughts and just shift those thoughts right, right from the get-go. I think that's so key. You know, we, we have to learn to love ourselves now, like wherever you're at listening to the show. Um, Don't wait to be happy, be happy now, you know, don't wait to, again, that 50 pound weight loss or, you know, or, or that boyfriend or, or whatever, or getting that next job or, or the success in your business or, whatever that next, it's a great goal to have, but don't bank all your happiness on that goal because you'll get to that goal. And then what, you know, so just yeah. again, be in the moment, be present, which a lot of women aren't nowadays, like just try to slow down, be present, be in the moment and just be happy where you're at. It's a process. Life is a process. Health is a process and happiness doesn't have to be a process. You can have that now. Yeah. I always say happiness is a choice. We can choose yes. it. And- yep. Yep. Everyone has the same choice. You know, you have a choice and it's not anyone else's fault. You know, don't point fingers. It's, you know, point it back on yourself. What am I doing to make myself happy? And a lot of times it comes back to that self-care, like get 30 minutes in a day of something that makes you happy. And again, just be present enough to realize or or go back and think what used to make me happy and what makes me happy now. And what can I start doing um, to get me on that road of, of filling up my cup again? Love it. So how can, um, how can women connect with you if they, they want more Dr. Renee, more of your infinite wisdom around libido? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have a website, but I always say I don't live on my website. It's drreneewellenstein.com. I live on social media generally. I am across all platforms because I am online completely. So I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I am on TikTok. I am on YouTube. 
<laughs> at Dr. Renee Wellenstein. And I have a podcast, uh, Love the Leap with Dr. Renee, where we talk about other mostly holistic health topics, um, not yes. just libido, but you know, again, at the end of the day, wherever I can be to just put out little words of wisdom, because I want that woman to be like me and have that aha moment, like, oh my gosh, that could be go- what's going on, you know, without having to go see the doctor and really starting her own health journey on her own from something she hears. If that comes from my mouth and it's just one person one day, wherever it's heard, my job is done. So that's where I am. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. And I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. Um, before we wrap up, any parting words of wisdom you can share with our listeners? Yeah. You know, it's your birth rate to feel amazing. You know, again, I don't even want your listeners to feel good. I want you to feel amazing. And I want you to feel amazing on every level, your energy, your libido, your confidence, you know, you name it. We have one life and it's, it's short, you know, and I just want, I want us all to, to know that we, you're worthy of feeling amazing. You are enough as you are. And, uh, it could start today. Love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Renee. It's been great having you on. Thank you for tuning in to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Each month, I will select one lucky subscriber to receive a special Impeccable Health sample kit from me. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me at www.emergentwomenih.com for even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become vibrant, energetic, and on fire. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about.